1: Before you mash that fast-forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month, or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works, so if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, tune in radio, Stitcher, Google play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can check out chase Thomas That is all my previous episode, a link to my newsletter and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase, double underscore thomas you can like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too thank you for listening you're all the best and i think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle darren can play me in all right let's go chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast (laughs) Um, my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right, welcome to the Chase on Podcast. are recording this early on a Thursday morning and on the line right now. The Bear, Chris Felica of College Game Day. Chris, how much of a difference maker is Brett Bielma going to bring the New England Patriots this year?
0: Probably, honestly, more than you probably think. Bill Belichick okay. does, a, uh, does a really good job getting coaches who maybe were fired at another job or, or finding guys to really be able to contribute uh, and, and find a role and help them in certain areas. So uh, uh, while, while, while I'm sure we, a lot of people snickered at the hiring, like what the heck can, Bill, can Brett Bielma do to help Bill Belichick? I am quite sure knowing Bill Belichick and how he runs that organization and that team, he, he has created a pretty good niche for Mr. Bielma.
1: Yeah. And I, you know what I like though? When I first saw his title, I love that it's like a callback because one of my favorite stories of the last year is like uh, the profile of how good of friends Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have become, and this is a very Nick Saban thing to bring on a recently fired coach into a made-up role just to can just to add another name to the staff and this just never-ending. List of coaches like you have Butch Jones now on Alabama. I'm not sure a lot of fans know that Butch Jones is on Alabama staff right now, um, but they will because they'll see him uh, this fall on CBS, and they're like, "Wait, what? When did that happen?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah
0: uh, Nick and Bill have a great relationship, uh, going back all the way back to like the Cleveland Browns days. So uh, they they are mm-hmm. they maintain contact. They are in touch, and they um yeah they 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 kind of think a lot uh, very very similar in terms of uh organization and practice and, and preparation and team structure so uh yeah you, you you're definitely onto something there it, it's funny you brought up butch jones as well i, I guess a lot of people missed all those uh those those pictures on twitter and the internet just kind of have, having butch jones is like this underling to nick saban and basically being his servant and, and poking fun front of that that was uh i, I, I was one of the, the the twitter punchline jokes of the uh of the spring for sure yeah it's just weird,
1: man. I don't know how any of it's legal that he can just have all these different people. When he brought in Steve Sarkeesian and everything else, where it's just like it's this never-ending Rolodex of names that he just acquires. And uh, I-, I don't see how it works, but if I'm somebody like Missouri, I'm pretty upset because not only does uh, Nick Saban keep gobbling up all of these great minds uh, to his staff, like they're saddled with Derek Dooley with a potential number one overall uh, pick in next year's draft and Drew Locke. Like... Uh, Mizzou fans, man, they got to be going into this year, like, just e- having no idea what to think. Like, they finally have a great quarterback, the best quarterback in the SEC, but they also lost Josh Heipel to UCF. And it's just, it's a big year for Barry Odom, obviously. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I just, I have no idea what to make of them. And, like, the Dooley jokes, like, when we are talking about Twitter jokes right now, it feels like Dooley is the new, uh, Twitter punching bag. And just, like, that's been a big topic of discussion just around the SEC right now, is like, um, this defense really sucked last year from Mizzou, and uh, what was awesome was their offense. And Drew Lock was really good, and he's he's fun to watch and everything else. But like uh, Derek Dooley's coming in there, and we <laughs> just we have no idea what to think of this team and how he's going to do coaching Lock.
0: Yeah, they're 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 one of those teams I think where, like, like you mentioned, no one. Has, I, I, I think people, some people, think they could be really good and potentially uh, uh, be it a, a sleeper in the SECs, so and I think some people. Uh, and I'm included in this camp, I I think they're going to disappoint this year. I think they were a little bit of an aberration last year, Uh, beat nobody, lost to the team they should have lost to, beat all those teams that had a losing record. Um, I'm curious to see how the Dually thing is going to go. You touched on their defense about how bad it's going to be. I'm sorry, or or how bad it was last year. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a little bit better just knowing – Odom's history and how Missouri's had some, some pretty good defenses uh, in, in recent memory, but I, I'm I'm not sold. The schedule toughens up a little bit, and, and even the uh, I know probably people will laugh and scoff, but that non-conference game against Wyoming it, I think is going to be a lot more difficult than people think. Wyoming has probably uh, the best defense in the Mountain West, and I know they lose Josh Allen, the quarterback. Uh, they had a bunch of young skill position players last year. Uh, they, maybe they won't have a quarterback who's as highly touted known as Josh Allen, but uh, you can count on one thing that Craig Bow will have that team ready, ready to play, and I, and I would not overlook them if I were uh, Missouri.
1: They have a better coach, and that always matters. Like I would give me Greg Ball over uh, Barry Odom every day of the week. So um, it that should be fun. Um, yeah, I just I don't know what to think of them, but like they're not my sleeper team in the East and I think everybody's crowning Georgia right now and I'm interested to see what you think about this is I just Florida's schedule, I don't know if people have looked at it yet. It's a cakewalk, and I'm a gigantic Dan Mullen guy, and just, like, he's the best coach in Mississippi State history. Like, he just wins wherever he goes. And, like, the one problem of Florida over the, like, last seven years has just been their offense. And I understand that Jim McElwain preached the same thing when he came in, and they've just never been able to figure it out, and Champ, and everything else. I'm not worried about that with Dan Mullen. Like, he's going to figure it out, like, whether it's Franks or whoever. Like, they're going to figure it out, and that schedule is just – it's right there for 9-3, and 10-2. And, and we know how they play Georgia all the time anyway. I just, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Florida is winning the SEC East this year.
0: I don't know if they can do it this year. Cause, hey, while I, I totally agree with you, and I, I'm a huge Dan Mullen guy, uh, he knows what it takes to succeed in, in Gainesville. He's done it before. He knows it's at the athletes and the expectations there. And, and look, he's turned Dak Prescott into an NFL quarterback. He's turned Nick Fitzgerald, who was... Barely recruited by any FBS schools, in, in, into a really productive college quarterback at Mississippi State, uh, he'll he'll be able to get whatever he can out, out of Frank's and, and the guys that are on that on that offense. I, I think the news that's going on off the field right now, uh, it would be a little bit a little bit concerning. We'll see where that story leads, uh, and, and if anything comes of that, that that could certainly uh, dampen expectations for this year, but.
1: Uh, I'm, uh, or it's a positive because florida's back the urban meyer florida days are back that's actually good news <laughs> you want these headlines if you're a gator fan you missed these those were the glory days
0: yeah i, I, I guess that's one positive way to spin it but but but, I, but i'm with you <laughs> I, I i'm with you though I, I think you look at florida's schedule and their, and their road games and, and and who they have and uh the, the way the way it breaks uh, uh i i think eight wins is certainly a minimum for florida and I think nine are certainly on the table for uh, for the Gators this year. And uh, it, it was funny. Uh, Peter Burns posed a question uh, the other day on Feinbaum to me, asking about who, who he thought would have more immediate success uh, in the SEC: uh, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M or Dan Mullen at Florida? Well, East versus West, and I uh, and, and I took Mullen just because I thought a. His familiarity with Florida was a, was a huge asset, and, and B, there just aren't as many obstacles in the, in the East uh, as they're on the West.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it works with Jimbo at Texas A&M, but I have my doubts. It has a very John Gruden to the Raiders feeling to me, where it's like they gave him this long, big contract. It ended really awkwardly and pretty bad in Florida State, and I just... I don't know. I think there is a strong possibility Texas a m fans are going to uh, look back at the Sumlin days of like, "Oh my God, that was really good. We should have been more appreciative to <laughs> that time period as an Aggie fan." Like, I just I don't think it's a slam dunk. It would not surprise me if Kevin Sumlin has a better win percentage at Texas a m than Jimbo Fisher when it's all said and done. Well,
0: at least there's no pressure on uh, Jimbo Fisher at A&M. It's not like he's been given this right. blank plaque that says to engrave it when you win. The SEC or the national championship, I mean, uh, making him the highest paid po- coach uh, uh, in, in the country and say, in one of only, what, four coaches in the country to win a, uh, a national championship that are still out. I mean, there's, there's no right. pressure on him at all. There With all those big money boosters and the improvements to Kyle Field, the facilities, I mean, he, he can easily go eight and four every year and they will be totally fine with that. But I, I, I'm, I, as you couldn't tell, I'm being very, very tongue-in-cheek. Um, I'm i with you. I, I wonder how this is gonna go. I, I don't think he's gonna be a like a like a six and six type seven and five, uh, which would be a disaster, I think, for uh for m uh moving forward yeah. in the next couple of years. But if you look at what he did at Florida State, uh his most success obviously was with with, with Jameis Winston, a quarterback when they won the World national championship, got to the college football playoff. Uh, you look outside of that. I mean, he was essentially an eight and five type coach, um, mm-hmm. recruited great in the ACC. Could get anybody he wanted into school. Uh, if Florida state had some great NFL players, high NFL draft picks. um, you really didn't have to deal. I mean, Clemson was still kind of on the ascent, uh, in, in the ACC Atlantic at the time Jimbo was there, but really had his way. He had his way in the, of the ACC for a long time. And, uh, He's not going to have that in the SEC West. I mean, as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama, uh, they're going to be second fiddle to them. Auburn, you know, is going to be a solid team year in and year out. Uh, LSU, once they get things figured out with coach, O is the guy long term.
1: Okay. Let's not assume they're getting things figured out. <laughs> yeah. LSU has given me no reason to believe that they're going to fix things that, that, out true, at all. Yeah. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt there. No way. One, one of my, uh,
0: one of my friends who, who I work with um, and I've known for a, a long time, we have a, uh, he he kind of isn't the biggest LSU fan. And, and we we always have weekly conversations about, um, yeah, LSU, they really can't lose to, and I, I would say he's not the biggest Coach O fan either. And my, my mm-hmm. buddy goes to me, who, who, is, is Ed Ogeron still the head coach at, at LSU? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, then LSU can lose mm-hmm. the game. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. So you think really highly. Of <laughs> and it was funny. I, I was going back. and forth, I was putting up some notes. Uh, a few months back on Twitter about uh, LSU and the schedule and how tough it ranks. And and, that, and, and the LSU fans have no problems. Like, yeah, and we have a shrimp boat captain as our head coach. So, like, that's what I love about LSU fans. They are amongst – I mean, they're passionate, but they're not like – rose-colored glasses that they are brutally honest and and even more critical than I would say a a lot of opposing fan bases who might be talking bad about LSU. The LSU fans have no issue talking bad about their own team at all.
1: That's awesome because um, it's going to make this season more bearable when you have realistic expectations for this team because uh, I think it's going to be bad and I think their offensive coordinator choice, uh, not great. And the whole stuff with Matt Canada... Really bizarre. I, I just, that was just such a weird thing. And he's just gone after a year. And that's a bad sign. And I just, whenever you hear, like read the story of like he brought in this like big, br- this gigantic binder, how to bring LSU back. Like once I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is, this is not going to work. This is, this is done.
0: Yeah. It, it's a, <laughs> he did what? Yeah, we, yeah. We, we've kind of seen how the Emsinger offense worked at LSU in the past. And, uh, in 1985. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, not and great. If, if they, if they think that's what's going to, wind up winning in the SEC these days uh good luck with that I mean you look at the schedule they got four teams that played in the new year six last year like two of their home games or it's two teams that played for the national title last year i mean they, they, they yeah. you know, there is a really good chance and it probably wouldn't it might not even take an upset that uh that they're looking at they could potentially be three and four before uh hosting mississippi state and, and if that's the case i mean Ooh. look i mean seriously look, look at their schedule they they lose to Miami. I think they're going to be a small underdog to Miami. Uh, they got Auburn on the road early, and they'll be an underdog at Auburn. They probably won't win there.
1: I mean, Auburn lost them last year, and one of the most—I mean, I'm an Auburn fan, and that was the most aggravating game of the season by far. Like LSU had no business. Like that was just that was the worst game, and I hate LSU <laughs> and I hate everything about watching this team play football on Saturdays. Yeah, they—I it, it, wouldn't roll. That's the annoying thing about this Ed Ordron team. And by the way, I think the key what we found with Ed Ordron is never give him the full head coach status. Just continue, do a game-by-game game situation for him <laughs> where he always feels like the interim because he is the greatest interim head coach of all yeah. time. But he's one of the worst full-time head coaches in this league. So let's just keep the interim, ta- the interim tag on him just full-time. That's what I want. I think that's what they should have done.
0: And, and I think that's indicative and reflective of his personality and his mannerisms he's a really good recruiter he's a really high energy guy he can motivate kids and I, and I think that works in short doses in short bursts when people are looking to rally behind someone but I don't know if over the course of an entire season that can work uh, week in and week out 13 14 games in a row where, uh, against an SEC schedule and playing a a, a brutal non-conference game every year, I, I, I think I, I think some at some point maybe that rah-rah message gets kind of tuned out a little bit. And, and look, I I I hope he does well. Uh, I, I think LSU being good in the SEC West is good for conference strength and division strength. Um, so uh, I, is it though? Have you ever enjoyed watching LSU play football? Yes, have you really? Absolutely, I, I, I okay. love, I love the, I love what when Nick was there. I love the defenses that they had, uh, the offense. Uh, the, I think the issue is is how the, all those players were somewhat utilized. I mean, they had Zach Mettenberger, mm. Jeremy Hill, and Beckham Junior on that roster, and what were eight, nine, and four? I mean, I mean, it, I, I think this, yeah. it, 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 it's kind of going back to what you said. Uh, I think that. Make the transition, a make the transition in this in the conference. It was like, when have they ever figured it out? Really, the only time it was like the Nick Saban era, and then uh, when Les took over for Nick and had Nick's players and kind of had it going there, going there for a bit. I mean, they had a lot of consistency, and then that they got a little stale under uh, Les, and they screwed up the the transition there, and maybe fired him a year too late, and uh, it's been a mess ever since
1: yeah um i think if i'm an lsu fan i hope this season is a disaster because if it's like too mediocre or too like slightly above expectations where it's like they go eight and four or might keep his job and be back and if i'm an lsu fan i want this to be a dumpster fire and i want us <laughs> to go a different route i want us to clean house i want us to figure things out go after someone else and um just clear the deck like it what you don't want to do is be in this like purgatory situation where you're like Ordron's not bad enough to fire him but he's also not good enough for us to compete for an SEC title like you want it to be bad 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 that's like Butch Jones he imploded last year perfect for Tennessee they get I mean we'll see what happens with Jeremy Pruitt but it does seem like it's going to be better than it's been for a long time like this is I think the most interesting Tennessee team since Lane Kiffin came in and I, I think that's a positive but do I think Jeremy Pruitt's there five years from now probably not but at the same time, we know he's going to recruit and we know that Helton getting him from USC is going to improve that offense because that offense last year, I still have no idea what they were doing, but it was not good and uh, we'll see, but um I think that's what you want as a fan is you want things to get bad enough where it's like, okay, Georgia, we want to move on from Mark Rick. The only way we're going to do that, let's bring Brian Schottenheimer in as OC <laughs> and uh let's play quarterback with Grayson Lambert. Yes, that will be bad <laughs> enough for them to finally make a move. There we go. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. But I'm I'm I think the exact same way. I'm I'm a Jets fan. And I remember the year that the Jets wind up going one I'm so sorry. I, 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 believe me, I, I could go on for, for hours upon this. But um, the year that they went 1-15, I was so upset that they beat Arizona to avoid the 0-16 season. Because if there was ever a team, <laughs> a franchise, a head coach that deserved to go 0-16, it was the Rich co-tight New York Jets. I I, was, I I either want to be epically bad or were really, really good. Like, all oh, the Lions fans are upset that they didn't win Why? It's great. It's historic. It's memorable. 1-15, in yeah. Now, yeah, who cares? You were bad, but you weren't historic. I mean, 0-16, that's awesome. I mean, you, know, you don't want to be 0-16, but again, if you're going to be bad, you may as well just burn it all the way down to the ground and be the worst you could possibly be. Words to yes. live by.
1: Sound advice. <laughs> yes, words to live by. Burn it down. Um, Who is your favorite head coaching hire this
0: off season? Favorite head coaching hire this off season. Uh, we we hit on Dan Mullen. I think that's probably the most. Uh, I think that's the obvious. Probably the right answer um, would, uh. would would be Dan Mullen. I'm trying to think. If you're looking for someone, maybe that might be really really off the radar. Um, mm. I, I, an inter- an interesting hire to me that I, that I think could get a program back to respectability is, is Mike Blumgren at Rice. Um, he, he, okay. he's an off- he was an offensive coordinator at Stanford. He knows what it takes to kind of get players, certain types of players into a really good academic institution. And that's what Rice is. I mean, they, they won, I mean, a few years back under Bailoff, they, they, I think they won nine or 10 games. And then, but that's a blip on the radar. I think, I think Bloomgren and his offensive scheme at Rice, uh, he can get a lot of kids from Texas um, that maybe were overlooked by some of the bigger schools in Texas, maybe, or, or, or some of the what what Stanford was able to sell to some kids academically, uh, maybe he can sell that, that that education to some kids at Rice and, and get them back to. I mean, look, you're in a conference where. Uh if you're respectable, if you have any talent whatsoever, you should be able to win uh six games. I mean, I don't think he's gonna be able to do it this year, but 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 I think he very easily could have rice back uh to a respectable level in a couple of years. Okay. I like Probably it. Probably weren't expecting too... Mike Lumin or I... Rice to come up in the middle of this conversation, were you?
1: No, I did not. I did not. I'm going to have to cut all that because I don't think we have any Rice fans that listen to the podcast, so I think they tuned out at that point. So <laughs> I can't do it. I You brought up Rice. I can't uh, – I mean, shout out to Rice and the – I think they're the Owls. Yes they, are. yes, they are. The Rice Owls. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I I would say for me, two of the ones that I think we're going to look back on like five years from now, they're kind of linked in a weird way, but I do think Willie Taggart's going to be really good at Florida State and really good really fast like i would not be surprised if they're nine and three this year and they turn it around pretty quickly like i love the harlan barnett hire as dc like he's just been so critical to michigan state the last couple of years and you don't realize just how many dbs he he has put in the nfl from michigan state they become dbu basically and mark
0: snyder who and, was on that staff with harlan barnett at michigan state as well who has handled some dbs and some linebackers in the past too both those guys are down at Alaska now
1: yeah, I just think it's it's a recipe for success for Tallahassee. And I think with how messy the Jimbo stuff got, like it's a huge home run that they were able to salvage everything and end up with Taggart and uh, Barnett and everybody else. So I think they're going to be okay as long as they don't start Will... Uh, is it Will Blackman? No, what is his name? James Blackman? I'm not sure. James Blackman. Yeah. That was awful last year. I watched too much of it. Like Part of it probably wasn't his fault, but um, it was not pleasant. And I still have... Flashbacks to the, I think it was Boston College game that was just oh, all the and 19. I couldn't. Yep. Yeah, oh my god, no thanks. Some out on Blackman, but I, I was a big DeAndre Francois, and this is my most embarrassing Heisman pick before the season was uh, Francois. I was pretty high on him and after the Alabama game uh last year. I was like, Oh well this isn't happening. This was a ter- this is why I don't gamble. What a dumb thing I said I that DeAndre Francois was gonna be the Heisman. I don't think that was a ridiculously
0: bad Heisman type pick. I mean they were they were people forget they, they were the number three team in the preseason. I mean he got hurt against yeah. Alabama on kind of a weird play and and the season kinda unraveled for a bit because they didn't have excuse me, any depth at quarterback uh, behind him after a couple of guys had transferred out of the program. Um, and then you're stuck playing Blackman, who is 100, probably 165-pound soaking wet. Um, he just wasn't ready. Exactly. I, I mean, it, it, that's going to yeah. be an interesting thing to see how they handle that quarterback situation and see how Willie uh, chooses his starter. Um, because with Akers in the backfield, they got a good running back. Nuni Murray is a really good wide receiver. On their offensive line has stunk for a while. I mean, they kind of righted the ship towards the end of last year. I mean, I mean, I, what were they were seven and six, right? But I mean, they were so much better yeah. than us. I mean, talent wise. I mean, you lose to Miami on the last play of the game. He's got the ball at the Clemson 35 before you throw a weird interception going in to take the lead. Uh, you lose late to Louisville on a last second field goal. You lose to NC State, uh, coming off of the Alabama injury. I mean, they 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 found ways to lose a lot of games last year that they were in. And It wasn't like they were all, and, and that's what I love about all the uh, getting back to last year and all these UCF fans and people saying oh, Alabama, they beat nobody, they shouldn't have been in, and UCF, we beat top twenty five teams in Memphis. Florida State was a good team last year, and that they, they, they lost a lot of close games, lost a lot of guys to injuries, but. Uh, The Florida State team that was on the field last year against Alabama, that was a good team.
1: Yeah, so they'll be back. Florida State fans don't need to get nervous. I think they'll be fine. Um, And I'm going to cheat a little bit, so I have a combination pick here. Um, Scott Frost at Nebraska, I think, is going to be really good really fast. And it's just... I feel like we're underselling him going undefeated at UCF and beating Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Bowl and everything else. Like That guy is just he knows how to coach football, and uh, he's going to be really good. I think Nebraska may not be back this year, but I think three years from now, I think we're going to be talking about Nebraska as a perennial uh, playoff contender. And then, maybe this is out there, but Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Like, that guy can recruit. I don't know if people know this or not, but the 2019 recruiting rankings right now have Oregon in the top five, and I think just keeping him there and elevating him to head coach is going to be one of those little things that, like, oh, this worked because he was able to keep Jim Levitt uh, away from joining Florida State, and the defense is going to be fine. if They still have a good quarterback. Like, I think Oregon's going to be fine. Like, I think there's a strong possibility Cristobal is, like, a top-ten, like, coach, and that program stays in the top-ten over the next decade.
0: Now that whole Cristobal firing at, F- at FIU was a whole, was a weird... Situation. I'm curious to see ultimately if what really happened ever comes out there. i I get what people are saying with Oregon. I just there's something about that program right now that I just have an uneasy feeling about, and, and I don't want to over. And I don't want to overreact to what we saw in the Las Vegas bowl, really with guys sitting out, and then you got Royce Freeman on the sideline, even though I'm not playing. I'm saving myself for the draft. And I think other guys who didn't play, but if you're a team and you get Justin Herbert back, your quarterback, you put up a lot of points with against some pretty bad teams early in the year, and you rally around. We want Mario, Willie Taggart left us. We want Mario Cristobal as our head coach. He needs to be here full time. And then you go out and you play like that in that ball game. I, I don't want to a, get a ball. A first game of the ball ball season meant absolutely nothing. But it should have meant something to those guys if they really wanted to show commitment and how much they cared about Missouri Crystal. Maybe I'm totally blowing out of proportion, uh, but there, uh, I the Levitt thing is huge. And but I think the one thing that you're going to need to be careful of is Levitt is probably hanging around waiting to see when Bill Snyder retires at Kansas State because I would, if I were a betting, if I were a okay. betting man, I would. Uh, we, we, like If Bill Snyder does retire at some point in the very near future, I would think Jim Levitt would be very, very, very high on the, the list of Kansas State to replace him. So uh, that, that'll that be something. That, don't they want his son to replace him or something? Well, that, well, that, that, that well that's the, the like, problem. Plan, yeah. that's the, 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 I don't want to say problem. I'll, that's the issue right now going on there is that Bill Snyder is perceived to be hanging on to try and convince... I don't want to say strong arm, but he's trying to angle the Kansas State administration to, to hire his son, and, and I think the has that ever happened? Before? And well, the, no. And the, the, here, here's the closest thing that I can. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a, a reach, but I don't think it's that much of a reach, if that makes sense. It, it's kind of like keep it in the family type deal. I want my son to be the coach. Yeah. It's kind of like what Alabama did for a while uh, once they lost Bear Bryant. And we need to keep it in the Bear family. Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, Gene Stallings, Mike Shula, all these guys, and none of them really panned out. I mean, Stallings did win a national championship, but none of them had the long-term success that that, that Bear did. And finally, when the administration said, "We don't care. We need to shake it up. We need to jolt this program." Back to where Bear had it, and went outside. They brought in Nick Saban, and and he did it. So 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 I, I think Levin, who coached there a long time ago, um, and, and then has gone on and been a head coach at USF and been, been a great coordinator, in Colorado and Oregon, and he's far enough removed move now from where K State has been. That that I think that's a uh, that would be a, that would be a slam dunk hire in my opinion.
1: And I like it. Kansas State, when they're good, it's uh, better for college football, I think. Uh, bring back the L. What, actually, what is L. Roberson doing? Let's bring him back. What's what, Is it Bishop?
0: Michael? Michael, Bishop? Michael, yeah, Michael. Yeah, they, all, had, uh, Chad May, Michael Bishop, L. Roberson, uh, Jonathan Beasley. Yeah, they they had, they had a good run of some pretty athletic quarterbacks. Good a run, had,
1: Josh Freeman? They, yeah, they,
0: they were a good – they were – it's funny. They built their program up, and for a long time – were overrated. They were a product of playing a really bad non conference schedule. And I say, hey, look, they were the worst program in the history of college football when Ball Stodder got there. And he aptly and appropriately scheduled games that they could win, build confidence, build their team up to get to a bowl, and take it from there. So they win from kind of being a little bit overrated where, oh, yeah, they're yeah they're 9 and 2 and they're going to win their non conference games and they'll lose to Oklahoma and Nebraska every year. That yeah, was kind of where they were. And, and then, but by doing that, they it, go to a ball game, they win, and they and they started getting legitimately good in, in winning the uh, winning the Big 12 title. With a great game with Darren Sproles in 2003. Uh, they had some really, really good teams for, there for a while and nearly getting to the national title game in, in 1998 with Bishop before they got uh, upset by A&M in, in the Big 12 title game. Um, and then and Snyder left. And then he kind of kind of come back to, to to get it going again. But yeah, they they um they put together a really good team. The I, I Colin Klein team that was number one in the country before losing to was RG three. Yeah, they've been yeah they, they 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 certainly that is the in, in my opinion the greatest coaching job uh, in college football history. I don't know if people can say oh Nick Saban won five national oh wow th- that Nick Saban won five national titles in nine years at Alabama. How can you? Look at look at Kansas State before Bill Snyder got there, and, and to get a team to number one in the country on multiple occasions and be close—he like, did it twice. You know, exactly. like Price destroyed
1: yeah. that program again, and he just comes back and saves it one more time. And, and, and
0: from from where they were, and the, the, the under Bill Snyder and pre Bill Snyder graphic uh, is one of the more remarkable things to look at uh, uh, statistically.
1: I like it. A um, couple more things and then we'll go. Uh, what are your early top four playoff picks?
0: Gosh, it's hard to really, and I've gotten into this with a bunch of uh, people, it's hard not to imagine Ohio, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State in the yep. playoff. It really is. And I know this brings in the whole NBA debate. Is that really good? Uh, we know the Warriors are going to win before the year even starts. But people watch, the twists and the turns throughout the year, the stars just to see who ultimately emerges. Um, the, the Pac-12 was so bad in the Bulls last year, was so average during the regular season, that a Washington-Auburn game week one is the most intriguing game, uh, the game that I'm looking forward to the most uh, to yeah. start the season because uh, you've got an Auburn team that was so close to playing for the national title last year. Uh, loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, and of course you have the the, the, the hangover guys sitting out, with no motivation. We should be playing in this building for the national title. We shouldn't be that close. And you got a UCF team on the other side, and it was gangbusters. And they were right by the way. Gangbusters.
1: They were right to be pissed. Oh, uh, who was rightly pissed? Uh, Gus Miles on and Auburn.
0: Oh, about about yeah, it's it, yeah it. It, 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 having it,
1: it, to beat Georgia, then beat Alabama, it, and then it, being gifted it, Georgia. Well, again. I mean, other
0: yeah. I would say were. I shouldn't say rightly. I wouldn't say rightly tested. That's just the way the schedule worked out, and they had to play in the SEC championship game, uh, yeah. which uh, that brings into a whole separate conversation about should we have conference championship games, which I'm not necessarily mm. a fan of. But uh, then, to, yeah. then to be in that spot of ultimate letdown, know, knowing you got guys saving themselves for the draft, and you're disappointed. You, to be in that building, but in that game against the UCF team that was undefeated, the coach was leaving. They're mad. Oh, we're undefeated. We should be in the playoff, even though you shouldn't have been. It was a no-win situation game for Auburn, and UCF went out and, and, and beat them. But but I think from the Washington standpoint, it's even bigger this year because it, it, Washington is a team that to put together a couple of good seasons record-wise, but they have beaten a
1: soul. Amazingly coached. Amazingly
0: coached. Haven't beaten a soul put a bunch of guys in the NFL draft, yeah. really good defenses. But if you're saying their best win in this run the last couple of years is beating beating Colorado. I mean, come on. I mean, they beat Stanford once on that Friday hey, night game. Put some
1: respect on the Apple Cup and beating Washington State. Please. Put some respect you're on not, your Washington not, Washington. You're not, not going to get
0: any respect <laughs> out of me for that. Uh-uh. Not, 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 not happening. That, that could be the subject of another podcast. But you, you see what they yeah. did in the bowl game against Alabama, playoff game against Alabama. They could have played eight quarters and they weren't going to score a touchdown uh, after being gifted that first touchdown early in the the game. Uh, Penn State ran up and down the field on them with with Ricky Rodney calling the plays for the first time, and Saquon Barkley basically playing half a game. In order for Washington, I think, to get the national respect and the Pac-12 conference uh, national respect, Washington needs to go out and win that game because if they don't, Uh, I I think you're going to hear the cries uh, immediately. So so just to quickly go over what I was uh, saying again, uh, I was talking about how big that game is for Washington and the Pac-12, the Auburn game uh, in Atlanta, uh, because if Auburn were to go, I'm sorry, Washington were to go down there and lose, uh, Pac-12 is really not going to have a chance to get another huge non-conference game, and and, and I think the perception of the Pac-12 is really going to hinge on uh, on what happens week one in that game. So that is a huge. Uh, game, and the game I am looking forward to the most to start the
1: year. Yeah, and I'm, there's going to be a lot of NFL scouts there, because it's going to be Jake Browning versus Jarrett Stidham, two guys who might go in the first round next year. Uh, um, if
0: Jake Browning yeah. is drafted in the first round of the NFL draft,
1: uh, we we have bigger issues I think to solve. But, but, I mean, this QB class is terrible. Like, this upcoming one, it's like yep. Drew Locke, it's Jarrett Stidham, it's it's not a deep class like this past year, no. so it would not... Ryan Finley from NC State is,
0: is going to be... be is, well, yeah. will be a guy, exactly, but, that, but that's what you Shay Patterson if he leaves after one year at Michigan and that's why so many that's why people were one of the big subjects going into this past year's NFL draft was, hey if you don't think Sam Darnold is going to be a good NFL quarterback or you don't want to take a chance on Josh Allen, what do you see what you're looking at next year? It's even worse yep. so I, I I think that's why a lot of teams want to take a chance and, uh, in making moves for quarterback this year because they, they, they looked ahead to the 2019 draft and realized we don't try and really make a move this year for quarterback. Uh, next year, we're probably not going to be able to get one either.
1: True or false? Michigan beats Ohio State this year. False. Okay. What are we doing here with Jim Harbaugh then? If is it? I guess it's just like it's nice to have this consistency and like you know they're going to be good, but not great. But at the same time, like, I don't know if you saw that reporter going at
0: Harbaugh for... Uh,
1: just yeah,
0: that performing. was, that was, Well, I I don't want to, he was affiliated with a Michigan state publication. I think that was his chance to kind of get up in front of a room and kind of pound his chest a little bit. Now I got Jim Harbaugh on the stage here. I can ask him a question and kind of put myself out there and make myself look like a, and not nothing he said was incorrect. But I, I think he mm-hmm. embellished that a little bit. Look, I, I
1: the way he framed it was very condescending correct. and very like just uh, it was uh, it was a masterpiece. In my it, it, correct.
0: And look, people, Harbaugh is a total lightning rod. I am a Jim Harbaugh fan. Um, Same. I. It's a little unfair to I mean, one in five is one in five. That is correct. That is the record against Ohio State and Michigan State. One of the losses, the overtime loss against Ohio State in Columbus, in a game that they probably should have won. It should have never gone to overtime. Um, really a terrible interception near the turnover, near the goal line, uh, which turned that game around. Controversial spot. That's one of the losses. Another one of the losses is... Your punter dropping the ball in a game where all he's got to do is catch the ball, punt it in the air, and it's over. That's another one (laughs) that was still insane.
1: I think we're underselling just how insane that whole thing was. And then another one. Not even that. They they picked it up and ran it back. Like that was the other thing. Is like every like it just that was only the only thing. thing. The only
0: thing that could have resulted in them losing the game is exactly what had happened. That was like the percentage chance of that happening was astronomically low. And then the other, one of the other yeah. losses in that span was last year in torrential rain that I don't even know how they played the game in an absolute turnover fest in one of the ugliest games I've ever seen played. So those are three games where you're looking basically at three plays going one and five to four and two. So. Look, uh, yeah, they, I just, they, I'm they, not worried about they, him and Denver. I think they,
1: they're fine. Like, I think Harbaugh's fine. Yeah, they had he just had needs them. a quarterback. We just want to see them with, like, Pat. That's what makes them so interesting this year. It's like Shay Patterson is the first exciting, intriguing Michigan quarterback since uh, Jim Harbaugh got yeah. there. Like, I think we're going to learn a lot this year. And,
0: and I think Peters long term could be a guy there as well. Uh, it's funny. Patterson is a guy who I think we all think has a tremendous upside and some really good athletic ability. But uh, his numbers, if you look at the power five teams he's played, uh, have not been overwhelming at all. Um, I'm curious to see how that goes. Look, their offensive line is going to have to be a lot better. Uh, Higdon is going to have to be a lot better at running back. Uh, I think the fact Trey Black gets back at wide receiver, he is an absolute stud. He will have a huge impact on that offense. And, and we need Donald Peoples Jones to be more than just kind of a return guy. Um, he can help their, their defense is going to be. Ridiculous between Peoples and Winovich, Gary and Bush. I mean, a total freak show. Um, you just have to wonder, though, they're in a division where you've got four of the top 15 teams in the country on that side, and isn't going to be a, a situation where they all kind of beat each other up and kind of the division kind of eats itself alive where you kind of get this round robin and you're stuck with one of those Big Ten East teams, whether it's Penn State. Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State with uh, ha- having two losses at the end of the year. And we've seen the last two years uh, a two loss Big Ten team left out of the playoffs. So I- I'm yep. curious to see how that goes. That-
1: so I think what you're saying is that we need to move Michigan to the SEC East.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or-, or, to the- or to the Big Ten West. How-, how about that?
1: There you go. Yes, that either works because perspective matters. And just like looking at like Harbaugh and like what he would do. Like, if you put Michigan, this Michigan team this year in the SEC East, I really do think that they would be seen as the favorite and he would have a lot of SEC, uh, like I don't know if he beats Alabama, probably not, but I'm saying, like, I I do think he gets into the SEC title game if this Michigan team plays Georgia's schedule or anything hmm. like that. Like, I just, he's in a tough situation. Like, I think if you put, like, if you put him in a lot of different spots, so if like Jim Harbaugh is coaching Florida for the last five years, I oh, think he already has like one national
0: title. He, he, he I I don't know if he is Wings an SEC title, but, but they they're in the SEC title game every year. Uh, I, I, I think you can, I think that's a fair statement. I, 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 I don't I don't know if they. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing. I'd love to see that Michigan Georgia game this year, though. If Michigan wasn't wearing the SECs, so that would be uh be one hell of a game.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. I just I'm still kind of I don't know. I just I'll will always look at like ex Saban assistants, kind of like belichick assistance mm-hmm. where it's like he is 13 and 0 against his assistants and like that's why i was just not interested in the title game at all and that's why i wanted baker and lincoln riley in the title game so much is that well a i also love baker mayfield but b i just i think lincoln riley has a better shot of beating nick saban in a one game playoff than kirby smart and as long as kirby Smart is there and nick saban is at alabama I just don't see it an Avenue for Georgia to win a national title because they have to get through Saban. And I just, he's literally never lost to an ex assistant Uh, and there's just something to that.
0: I I think a lot of those, I mean, you know what the one constant was in nearly every single one of those games, Nick Saban's team had better players. Uh, And I think last year we saw a team that on the other side of the field where it was not 100% sure what team had the better players And I think what Kirby is building in Athens right now is going to be similar to what Nick has at Tuscaloosa. And it took Nick Saban, the perceived curmudgeon of college football, unwilling to bend, whatever you want to say, it took him at halftime to realize and understand and know and to be able to say, I have to put. Tua in the game, a guy who hasn't played a meaningful snap of college football all season long as a freshman, he needs to go in there and throw the football because Jalen Hurts can't throw it, and I need to put our national title hopes on that guy. For him to realize that, admit it, do it, and for the kid to go out and execute it was amazing.
1: Is Dabo going to do the exact same thing in the playoff this year when Kelly Bryant (laughs) fails to complete a pass in the first half and they put in Trevor Lawrence in the second to uh, beat Ohio State in round one? That's
0: the, uh, that's, see, that is, I don't think it's any debate in Alabama what's going to happen to the quarterback. Two is going to be the guy. But the Clemson thing is more interesting to me because if you look back at Dabo's track record and even how he handled Deshaun Watson. He let Scout play, the guy who had been there, the upperclassman, and it took until midseason to finally. It actually, it took to like when he put him in against Florida State when he realized he had to, and then nearly pulled off a big upset against the Seminoles. Uh, after that, it was like, all right, so you've been here, but sorry, Four is our guy. And I think now yeah. he's in a similar situation with Kelly Bryant where Bryant's kind of been there, he's been in the system. He led them to a playoff last year, even though they were basically a defensive team. The defense got up there, and Travis Etienne was a great running back for them. And the way their schedule breaks out at A&M early in the year, I can't see Dabo putting Trevor Lawrence in as a starting quarterback against Jimbo Fisher at Kyle Field in week two of the college football season. Uh, we, we could be looking at a similar type situation where maybe Lawrence takes over at some point right after that, because I do think based on what we saw in the spring and what a lot of people have reported, that there's a clear difference uh, in the offense with with Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. So uh, those thinking that Lawrence is going to start right off the bat, uh, I think they might be disappointed. Not saying it won't happen, but uh, I'd be surprised if if Kelly Bryant did not start at Calfield.
1: Last thing, and then we'll go. Um, What is the best thing about working on college game day?
0: That I, uh, that was the best thing. How 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 long do you have? Uh, not dreading going. Uh, not much longer yeah, not, not dreading going to work. <laughs> not, not dreading going to work every day. Loving my job, covering college football yeah. as a career. Going to a, a college football game every week. The excitement of a live television show, and then a live college football game and television production that night. Uh, meeting a bunch of people as passionate as I am about college football. The crew that I work with is an extended family for, for four months out of the year uh, after the season, being able to cover great events like the final four uh, and, and the masters and the NFL draft uh, things that I just love and, and just they've been a part of my life. Uh, the, the list is I'm meeting some unbelievable people and, and, and giving it being given opportunities to, just be an average sports fan, just a normal sports fan like you and a bunch of listeners out there, kids that are growing up kind of like I did, just loving sports and not knowing what to do with themselves uh, if they didn't have sports as an outlet. I mean, being able to realize that dream and just kind of portray that role of, hey, I'm not any better than anybody out there. I'm I'm just like you or you or you or you. We all love college football. We all love sports. I've just been fortunate to be given a position where I get uh, a little bit bigger of a platform to, to to be able to voice some opinions and show my passions.
1: That's great, and um, I would just like to end this with um, tell Chris I miss him. That's uh, that's uh, like, I, I need him to know, Chris Fowler, that I miss
0: starting my Saturdays. with Chris <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what it is that it, when it was going when it was going to be time for Chris to move on from. Hosting game day to the booth that that was indeed going to be the uh, the transition when when Chris called to game yeah. day the first year and
1: he didn't clear it with me which I was a little offended he didn't call <laughs> me and text me like is this too much of a change too soon are you ready for me to move on and I
0: was it was a little hurt yeah was, there, there was only there was only one person who would be a natural transition to that seat and, and, and that's Reese yeah. Davis who loves college football as much as anybody else yep. who is awesome to work with. And an unbelievable guy, and a great voice, and uh, the show is gone on and been as good, and if not better, at some point. Some it's parts, awesome. I mean, Desmond uh, than Howard's was, been amazing. Like,
1: He's so good. And, 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 yeah, I mean, Desmond's great. Kirk's awesome. Lee's great. Like, it's just a, it's a stacked cast.
0: Yeah, and, and, what, and what you see on that set uh, with how with how people interact and treat each other, that's not an act. That's not made for TV. That if you're hanging out with us Thursday night at dinner, or Friday in our production meeting, or Wednesday when my son I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we get it up. We'll talk. We'll all have to talk about that offline. But it, 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 what you see is what you get with those guys. That's the the most genuine thing about it.
1: Perfect, Chris. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, we'll have to do this again soon, man.
0: Absolutely. Look forward to it. I had a lot of fun doing Thanks, Chris. You're
1: welcome. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second leave lead the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chase dot where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys.